This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Joining us right now is a pediatric neuro-oncologist at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, Head of Developmental Therapeutics and Pharmacology, NIH Distinguished Scholar, and cancer survivor, and a woman with a beautiful smile. Let me welcome Dr. Sadhana Jackson. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, everyone. Hey, I'm so, so blessed and so happy, and have a lot of pleasure in order to be able to speak with everyone this afternoon, this evening. L- listen, she came ready with her. Uh, is that kid? What, what kind of earrings are those? That's I was gonna say, how did you not mention the earrings? Those are epic. <laughs> I'm on it. You know, I'm on it. I'm on it. These these are handmade, custom-made earrings by Live, Laugh, Be Jeweled. Uh, Dr. Erica Boone, who also oh, no. works at the NIH, crafts these beautiful jewelry art pieces. And so I'm happy to support her and wear her artwork on my ears this drop her Drop her website in the, in the chat here before I you leave. I need it in the chat. I, I, will, I will tweet I will, it out. I will. Live, right. Laugh, Be Jeweled. So you, you heard our conversation with... Um, a lovely family member about taking the vaccine. Um, you are a cancer survivor, but you're also in this space as a doctor. And I want, of course, you're going to share your story, but what's your take on the vaccine? Larry was saying how folk are coming from middle-class neighborhoods into the hood where there's a lot of vaccine and we're not lining up for it. Yeah. Um, so I'm speaking as a citizen, also as a physician, also as a daughter, also as a sister, also as a mother. Um, It is very important for us to wear our masks, keep our distance, wash our hands. I am also a proponent um, of getting the vaccine. And I see my sisters and brothers dying from this very serious illness of COVID-19, where some people have symptoms and other people do not. So it is very sad and it's very serious. Um, I have gotten my first vaccine uh, uh, inoculation. I will get my second one this evening. I'm a big proponent of uh, being vaccinated and being just safe and cautious. Now I have talked with various family members who have chronic illnesses and who do not have chronic illnesses. And they say, I don't know, I don't trust it. I'm not quite sure. And so you have to be understanding of people's, of course, opinions. and their, their willingness to have due diligence. And so what my family mm. members and friends have said, the ones that have been very cautious about whether or not to get vaccinated is, I wanna wait to see what more people get the vaccine and see what happens. And so I can understand that because honestly, if they're not in this high risk category, likely that they won't get it in the first um, few rounds. And so then that does give them a little bit of time to see that it's okay and that numbers start to plummet down in terms of hospitalizations and deaths. Well, I'm in that camp, by the way. Full disclosure, I'm waiting. Uh, and I think, and I think that that is, um, I, I think that that is important for people, physicians and non-physicians, to understand that people aren't all there. You know, all there in terms of I'm definitely going to go and get it tomorrow. So. You're not saying no, is that correct? No, I'm not saying no. I'm going to get it a- after I see everybody else get it that I know. In my and I life. think that that I think that's fair. Mm, thank and you. That's my opinion, and I think that that's fair. Um, you also, you know, as a doctor, and you you look so young to, to be. 
not that cancer has an age, but you, you think of, you know, turning on those cancer cells because we all have them. So I brought you on today because it's Wellness Wednesday, but also, you know, I want to start these conversations because, you know, after the election, it's time for us to get back to business, which is to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And without our health, yes, we're still in a pandemic, so we're going to deal with that. But there's so many other factors, and unfortunately, black people are disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 because of our underlying conditions. You know, I was talking to a, a famous person last night who said, you know, everybody in his industry right now has that he knows around him has COVID-19 and he's like, I got diabetes and high blood pressure. If I get COVID, I know I'm probably going to die. And he said that with such conviction that it broke my heart, but I, Hmm. the fear, but yet he has to work. So he was like, I don't have the luxury to sit home. Right. So that's, what's just so sobering about the numbers. Um, because a lot of us are on the front line. That's what that's the jobs that we have. And so that we are there, um, not just caring for the people, but sometimes we're there helping to care for the people who are caring for the people. And so mm-hmm. we are the ones that have caught the virus at a higher and disproportionate rate. But we're also the ones that need to make sure that we stay in contact with our physicians and making sure that we are on top of taking our medicines and uh, taking our blood pressure where we need to take our blood pressure. Because what we found now specifically in the cancer community is that people are being underdiagnosed and undertreated during this pandemic because they're just like, I don't want to go to the hospital, even if I have symptom X, Y or Z. And I know I have cancer because I don't want to catch COVID. And so it just becomes a a, a tricky imbalance to making sure that you ensure you have good health overall, but just making sure that you have preventative practices uh, to be able to uh, have you not to get sicker. Listen, uh, I went to the doctors today because I was scheduled to go to the doctors and I almost canceled because I'm like, "Mm, second wave of COVID, new strain. Uh, But I was like, I got to go to the doctor. I have to make sure all of my everything is correct. I need to know, know just for my peace of mind, because every little thing now is like, oh, I didn't go to the doctors. Could this be a thing? If it's a thing that I'm not going to the doctors, I don't want to get that. I went through that same thing this morning, Dr. Jackson, I went through that same thing. And then I got myself up out of here. And so that's a common conversation and discussion that people are having in their minds this year, over this year, that they wouldn't have had. They would have said, oh, I have this ailment. I'm going to the ER. I'm going to the urgent care. No problem. So what I want to reiterate today, again, as a physician, not as a COVID physician expert, is that the hospitals, funny enough, And the doctor's offices are one of the safest places to go if you think you have symptoms because those um, buildings, those industries specifically are being super safe about who's coming and going. Um, At the different facilities in this area, I can attest to, they're screening people in the parking garage. They're screening people before they even come into the building. They're screening people before they even come into the office, checking temperatures and or saying, do you have this symptom, this symptom, this symptom? If so, yes, do not come in. Um, And so you may have experienced that too when you went to your doctor's office that they were super careful about who was coming in and out. You don't see that at the grocery store. So not to Ooh. not to try to put fear into people, but Damn really, to, but to, <laughs> but to really educate them that the doctor's office, the the clinic, the um, ER is, are really one of the safer places in terms of screening who's sick and who's not sick for you to be around and to potentially uh, contract the virus from. Hmm. 
866-801-8255. We have a doctor in the house, so I would um, love to hear from y'all if you have questions. Uh, you are, you know, not COVID, not a COVID specialist. You're an oncologist for children, right? Um, and that has to be heartbreaking to, to see children with cancer, but you're also a cancer survivor. Can you tell us a little bit about your your cancer journey? I don't even call it a journey. I don't like when did you discover you had it and you Ooh. were already a doctor? Lord have what? mercy. Yes. So it's so funny. So I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack it a little bit because I got diagnosed and I said, well, dear God, I have been a cancer caretaker. I have been a cancer doctor. I am a cancer uh, researcher. Why me? You know, like I've checked all the boxes in terms of being able to help and and be able to be there for everybody else with cancer and help Mm. solve questions about cancer. Why me? Um, And so I still ask that question, but I think I have a solution for for why it was me. So really from a a younger age, I would say high school, college, um, they noticed that I had a kind of, I'll say enhanced, a thicker neck. And so for a while, I was getting ultrasounds of my thyroid because uh, they were concerned that I had something called a goiter, which is kind of a mm. basically a big thyroid. And so your thyroid is in your neck. It's in the shape of a bow tie. And so over time, they were making sure that my bow tie wasn't getting bigger. And they saw that it was getting bigger. And it was during my training for fellowship, uh, neuro fellowship. So I've had a long journey in terms of training. So you say I look young. This is the good makeup and the dentistry no, no, no. and yeah. and the earrings, the great and, jeans. You know, black don't crack. Black you know, don't crack. All <laughs> so all of that, but um, but but with that, so in my my journey in terms of being specifically a pediatric neuro oncologist. It was one of my routine uh, uh, exams with my endocrinologist where I had to get an ultrasound and they said, this side looks a little bit bigger. We see some enlarged lymph nodes. Lymph nodes are the area that hold these white blood cells. White blood cells fight off infection. White blood cells are what comes in if you do have cancer cells going on somewhere in your body. And she said, let's get a biopsy. And I said, okay. So I went to go get a biopsy. Now, let me tell you, this is what's important, I, I would say, in terms of being a very in-tune doctor with your patients. Have some personality, be down to earth, and don't be rude, okay? Mm. So I had this, uh, I'll say a male doctor who had no personality. And so I, he knew that I was a physician, because I said it. I always will tell people, just kind of give them the heads up. He said, okay, I'm going to do your procedure today. I said, okay. And he said, I think it's going to be cancer. I wanted oh to fight him. I wanted <laughs> to shake him. And I understood he was in training. So he was a resident. So mm. he took that as, you know, I'm going to do a procedure all excited and I'm going to get it right. I know I am. And because I fit the bill in terms of textbook, I was this young, had this enlarged, I'll say bow tie, had been having these things followed. And we saw these lymph nodes where the white blood cells live. It turned out to be cancer. I was, this was 2015, this 2014, I was diagnosed. Um, And so I was 34 uh, at that time. Oh, shoot. I'm telling people my age. That's now. all right. And now, you're, <laughs> now we know you're actually young. 
So go ahead, continue. <laughs> Knock it off. So I was 34 at that time. So it, it was devastating to me because I'd had this bow tie for a while and I was fine with it. I, I mean, I was married at the time. I was cute enough. I, I, I was, you know, I was able to be happily with this bow tie. And so I, I was diagnosed. They said, you need to have your thyroid removed. You need to get this special uh, um, treatment called radioactive iodine and you can keep on pressing on. And I did keep on pressing on. And so I can say that this experience was very challenging. It was very sad. Um, sadly, I had I, I was diagnosed a year after my mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer and I had helped her through that journey. Um, and then mm. next thing you know, I get diagnosed and she's helping me through my journey. So in terms of being able to be uh, learn from that experience, I am now that much more empathetic with my patients who don't have thyroid cancer, who have brain cancer, um, but to, I, I can hold their hand a little bit tighter and really understand their journey, the journey of what is the true discovery of having this disease, um, being able to be diagnosed, not having an empathetic doctor at, at one point in my um, mm -hmm. journey, and then just saying, you know, cancer does not make that person. You know, you can be a cancer survivor. Or a lot of people like it to be stated cancer thriver. Um, and cancer is only one aspect of your life. So I am still a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend, uh, a caretaker, a doctor, um, and black woman. Yes, you are. Mm. Dr. Jackson is here. Dr. Jackson, you can follow her at D-R-S-A-D-H-A-N-A-J. Sadhana, did I say that correctly? Sadhana, 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 Sadhana. What is what, what's the origin of the so name? So Sadhana is an Indian Sanskrit name, and so the correct pronunciation is Sadhana. It's an Indian name, sadhana. and so it actually means devotion or the one who searches for light and truth. So, mm. so deep, deep, right, right? Because yeah, well, that's what so my parents. Are, so my parents are not Indian. My parents one. Uh, Grew up, uh, born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, went to Edward Waters College as my father. And then another grew up, born and raised in Newport News, Hampton, Virginia, mm. uh, went to Hampton University. But they just fell in love with the name and they fell in love with the meaning of the name. And it just happens to be that I'm super curious and super passionate. And so it just fits in line with who I am. I, I believe you speak that when you name somebody, which is why yes. we got to not name our children, um, Crystal and Moe. Anyway, uh, <laughs> 866 no judgment. What about Shantan? What about look, Shantan? Huh? Look, no, no, no Vov Clicos, none of that. All right, 866-801-8255. What is cancer? I mentioned, I said, um, you know, we all have cancer cells. Um, some can go your whole life and never turn them on, right? They're, all there, they're always there. What turns on the cancer cells and how yeah. do we... I don't know if you can prevent it, but how do we live a lifestyle that makes it um, less likely that we'll turn on those cancer cells? So Karen, that is the billion zillion dollar question um, because not all cancer is created equal. So you have to think about there's certain cancers um, that are really highly connected to smoking or alcohol. And so those are the ones that can be prevented. In the case of brain cancer, there's only certain types of uh, brain cancers that really are preventable. And those are the ones that we say, if you've ever had radiation exposure to your brain, then that puts you at higher risk to develop brain cancer. Like the 1980 uh, cell phones. <laughs> hmm. All right. I said it. 
go ahead. Conspiracy theory. We'll move on. Um, you, don't, you don't have to respond I, I, to that. I hear you. I hear you. Um, so we found, for example, certain... Back in the day, this is 70s, 80s, certain people had leukemia, which is a type of uh, cancer of the blood. And so the treatment way back in the day was to give radiation to the spine um, because some people had uh, leukemia in different areas. And so those patients, we saw them coming up more and more with brain cancer 10, 12, 20 years after they had you know, been cured of their leukemia. So then we were able to see, oh, that's one connection. But there's several different other types of cancers where we do not know what the inciting reason for why it is. And the type of brain cancer that I treat, this is glioblastoma. This is what we call high-grade glioma. This is very aggressive. This is the type of tumor that John McCain had. This is mm. the type of tumor that Bo Biden had. Um, men are affected more than women. Um, children uh, also get this same type of cancer. And it's really poor prognosis, but we have not been able to link this specific type of brain cancer with any one uh, food or uh, weather change or drug. And it's sad. It's sad. So we continue to do the research. We continue to be curious about what more we can know about not just this type of brain cancer, but learn about other cancers to be able to connect. You know, I have a, a question just as it pertains to this really rapid advancement of the vaccine that we saw for COVID. And, and the, the you know, we learned a lot from, from speaking with other doctors about the mRNA uh, technology and how that was able to sort of hyper warp speed. I don't even want to use that phrase, but just really accelerate um, the amount of time it took to get the vaccine to, to be able to actually be injected into arms. Does that type of technology pose any promise for oncology and for cancers? And, and I'm asking because it seems as though we had an investment of massive amounts of dollars, um, unprecedented amounts of dollars. We had guarantees given to vaccinators, vaccine development companies. Would something like that, that framework also be useful in the cancer context? I think yes and no. Um, yes, in the context where there, there is a lot of involvement and there's a lot of passion around finding the cure. Mm -hmm. um, no, in the context of there are so many different types of cancer and cancer is super, super smart. Not to say that the COVID uh, virus is not super, super smart, but cancer has definitely been around for a long time. And in terms of the amount of mutations and changes that it makes over time, uh, even if we give it certain types of therapies, it's different a few months after we give the therapy. Wow. There's just so many different types of cancer um, that it's hard to be able to say, we're going to use this same exact formula that we use for the COVID-19 vaccine generation as for the treatment for cancer. So I think in terms of the passion and, and the importance for finding treatments, absolutely, we can utilize it. Some of these platforms, absolutely. But to just kind of plug and play, unfortunately, no. Mm. Well, there's my medical analysis. Shout no, I mean, help. but, you know, <laughs> I'll stick to are, the law. <laughs> I love your curiosity. I love it. I love your curiosity. We need it. We need I mean, it. I'm sure I'm sure that's what took you down this rabbit hole, uh, Dr. Jackson, to even be this kind of doctor. Was there something in your life? Talk about that when you come back. When we come back, we got to go to break. Can you stick around? I didn't ask you that first. Can you stick around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Jackson's sticking around. So we're here. It's Wellness Wednesday. Larie Daniel Favors is here. And Dr. Sadna, that's how you say that, but it's Sadana, right? Did, say it. 
Got it. You got it. You okay, got it. Jackson. She's in the building. Before you tell us uh, your how you landed on oncology, uh, Dr. Kelly wanted to know on Twitter, uh, and I'm always going to pay deference to the to the medical field um, about poultry. Uh, he said our colleagues want to know about meat and how that has an impact. And so I said, all right, let me, I'm going to ask, since she's still here, I'm going to ask her about okay. it. Uh, ask the oncologist about foods like poultry and beef and the documentary Game Changers, the documentary Game Changers and What the Health, which talks about all of the toxins in meat. Should we go vegan? So, um, okay, I'm going to speak as my, just being a citizen. I have been a vegetarian slash vegan all my life. So my parents, mm. I love them dearly, but they were tree huggers before we were all born. So uh, they decided that they, and they listened to uh, Dick Gregory. Yeah, Dick Gregory. And he was on the, you know, you need to be mindful of what you put in your body. And so they decided that they were going to go vegan a long, long, long time ago. And so as a result, I grew up as a ve vegetarian vegan, and I still am to this day outside of me being an oncologist. And I know that more, more recently documentaries and books have, have come out really to try to paint a connection between um, cancer and all different health um, conditions and disorders to our diet. Absolutely, there is a connection to things such as diabetes, high cholesterol, um, heart disease, to definitely what we eat and in terms of activity. Specifically on what is being put in terms of uh, bulking up this meat or having these animals eat certain things or be injected with certain things, they are still doing studies as to which chemicals are directly related. So I'm not going to talk this afternoon to say this chemical is bad because these studies are really ongoing. Um, Again, just as a citizen, I am a vegetarian vegan outside of what, you know, just really just my upbringing. I always say I'm a vegetarian vegan, just the same reason why you eat meat. I am the same way, just because that's what was in my household and what was put on my plate. And yet but your I mom had cancer, though, and you had cancer. So one could. Absolutely. So so the, another piece of the puzzle and people will try to say, if you eat this, then you will get that and they don't take into account your genes and your genetics. Mm. So there have been a lot of studies and I have to look to see exactly what the name of the researcher was. She, she came to the NIH, she gave this great presentation, how she went all the way back to, tag, I forget what country it was in, in Africa. And she was able to trace back the same tribe village that then migrated to a certain part in Michigan. And she found that that um, tribe or village that had, of course, been brought over in terms of slavery, have have the genes to have increased blood pressure. So as a result, that certain area in Michigan now has uh, this a, a nice display of uh, darker skinned um, of black people, basically, and they were able to trace it back to the lineage of Africa of them having this specific gene that happened to be turned on that causes them to high, have high blood pressure. Now, back when they were in the motherland, maybe them having high blood pressure was some advantage mm -hmm. um, or like whatever. Like sickle cell for malaria. Was. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. Some advantage at that time. That isn't an advantage to being in that certain part of Michigan and then having to go through the, the sadness and the, the trials and tribulations in terms of our working conditions. So I say all that to say, yes, be careful with what you eat. Be careful with what you drink. Be mindful of what you're putting into your body, um, both physically and just emotionally, you know, what you pour into yourself. But also um, be cognizant that our genes are some things that we don't have control over. So there was nothing I did wrong to be able to get uh, thyroid cancer. But in terms of just um, history, my dad also had a history of thyroid cancer. So, oh, you know, so, that yeah. had to have been passed to him. And right. so he sadly so, passed it to me. So do you think your diet helped you fight it? I don't know, Karen. Okay, all right, I, can't, all right. I, can't, I appreciate I can't, it. I can't say yes or listen, no. Listen, we are just looking. I was saying I started off the show today, you know, um, honoring the great Saku, um, and and Saku, and and wondering, um, you know, for us, the sadness comes in like the mortality that we have to contemplate every day. So, so I think it gives us comfort to know. Well, if I do this and I do this and I do this, and I won't get that. You know, like we're we're trying to hack life. And not really just live it because you don't know what's going to happen. It's going to rain on all of us. Something's going to happen. It's just life is how you deal with the things that come your way. Um, That determines your success here. Let me tell you. So life is not and never will be black and white. There is no if this, then that. There's always a workaround. There's always somebody you can talk to who will hook you up with that. So just remember that is in every context. And so you just have to live the best life that you can live. That's, I, 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 I work to live by the five agreements. Do the best that you can do. Uh, am I going to say these right? Do the best that you can do. Be skeptical, but listen. Always, um, now I have to remember what the other three are. Somebody right. help me with the well, five. They'll do it on Twitter. Twitter, somebody Twitter, uh, help us out here. And I'll Google search and we'll find them. Cause I'm reading the four agreements right now. Yeah, but they in added Spanish. the fifth one. The fifth one is be skeptical, but listen, Oh, don't okay. make assumptions. So I have right. three. Have impeccable, Somebody, uh, impeccable, your, impeccable your, your, with word. your word. Yes. Oh, this is a work in progress. I got to be impeccable oh. with my word. So you can't gossip about people. So we're working on this. And this <laughs> the fifth one, you guys, I got to right. remember what the fifth one is anyway. So you just do the best that you can do. And in that context, there is no if this, then that. There is no just black and white type answer for anything, Karen. All right. Really quickly, because I want to get some callers in as well. Um, why did you why did you do oncology? Why that? And yeah, that yeah, yeah. particular pediatric oncology, neuro oncology. Yeah. So so I'll give you the short version. I've always been curious, always um, really been passionate about the STEM field. My parents uh, had me to go to math and science camps growing up, just great in terms of supporting me and saying there's no limitation and just advocating for me to be there and be curious about science. And really when family and friends um, started to be affected by cancer and I saw it in the news all the time, we talked about it in these summer camps and in school, I was like, cancer, I wanna find the cure to cancer, like it has to go. So that was way before myself or, or my parents were diagnosed with cancer. Um, and so then it came a point in medical school where I said, well, do I wanna deal with children or do I wanna deal with adults? Now, we don't like taking our medications. We don't like coming back to the doctor. We don't like um, taking ownership of our illness. In contrast, 
uh, if you're a parent, you don't ever want to see your child sick. You don't ever want them to have to go to the doctor time and time again. So as parents, I found that parents do a better job of ensuring that the child takes their medicine, comes back for doctor's appointment. It's just well taken care of. And I said, I can't deal with us adults who are just all over the place. So I I landed on pediatric oncology and and that's just where my heart has been since then. Well, I know those patients of yours are very blessed. All right. Five agreements. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. That's the one I'm working on right now because everything I take everything personally. Uh, Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. And the fifth one, which you just gave me today, be skeptical, but learn to listen. Uh, That's the fifth one added by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, I'm doing the four agreements because we're trying to learn Spanish this year. And so, uh, Joy, you got to think about the fifth one. Yeah. Well, I didn't know she, she brought me a book, the four agreements in Spanish. I got past the, um, acknowledgements page and then I'm on chapter one <laughs> and there's like 20 words on the page. I don't know. So now I'm doing Duolingo because we have Spanish lessons on Friday and I've been failing the test every Friday and I'm looking crazy. So I'm like this Friday, I'm ready. Are you, are you doing your best? I, I am this okay. Friday. Well, then, I don't know about well, next week, that's but what, this, that's- this week I'm <laughs> All right, let's get Virginia. Uh, Erica in Virginia, she has a question for you, Dr. Jackson. Hey, Erica. Hi, Karen. I love you. I listen to you every day, and you make my day. Thank you. So, first time calling. It's your um, first time yeah. calling? Okay, there we go. Yeah. Right. Wee! Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just had a question. Um, I'm diagnosed with prothrombin two mutation disease, and um, I just have weird blood clots, bright blue, magic marker red lines, and you go to the emergency room, and they just say, I've never seen that before. It's nothing we can do. And it's just frustration, frustrating trying to find a doctor that can help you or listen to you. It just seems like they just send you home. And just say, well, that's not from the prothrombin, but uh, we don't know what it is. So what kind of questions or, um, I mean, what doctor specializes in blood or blood clots? But I'm seeing a hematologist, but I'm not happy with them. Okay. Thank you. I'm sorry you're going through that, Erica. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that, too. And honestly... Th- the best person that I would recommend would be a hematologist. So if you're unsatisfied with your current one, I would recommend that you look to have another one. Really rely on your friends or even a network. You go online, there's a a, a network for every type of disease. And I would try to chat with people in your area to see which hematologist they would recommend. Because honestly, if you get plugged in with a great specialist, specifically a hematologist in this regard, then they will be your advocate. And you shouldn't feel like you need to go to the ER or go to the urgent care for your matters. You'll, you should be able to go straight to them and their nurse so that they can take care of you each and every time. Having a doctor that you can trust, that, love, that loves you, like, you know, is super important. I got into a fight with my father's oncologist, like, to the point where I think he, yeah, he did. He called security, hospital security on me. It wasn't a fist fight, but you know, my father's dying and you coming in flipping. Mm-mm, no, 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 no. I laid him out verbally and he ended up becoming my, uh, <laughs> my hematologist when I had bad anemia. Cause I beat him into submission to the point where he was crying when, when, you know, when it was, you know, it looked like my dad wasn't going to recover and he didn't like it. We ended up developing a relationship after that. Um, 
where when I when I had anemia, I went to him and he was like the best. And I knew he was competent, but you can't come in treating my dad like he's no, he's not a statistic. This is a man that is valuable and you're going to come in here and act like you got some sense. So um, he ain't like being talked to like that, but I had to gather him up. So I think that you're all correct with that. And there have been multiple times that I've had to, for my um, friends and family, parents included, had to bring oncologists and other uh, caregivers to the table. And I, I, I kind of gave them the out because I said, hey, I'm an oncologist. What you're doing is not right or, or you're not doing enough. And so I think that people get scared when they go to the doctor to think that he or she knows everything. We don't know everything. It's called practicing medicine because not necessarily that we're practicing, but there isn't one right exact way every time. And so I want to be pulled to the table. I want to be told when I can do a little bit more or I should be better because I want to then be better for you and for the next patient. And if there is a physician that becomes offended or takes it personal when you, you know, bring them all the way to the table, then maybe that's not the not right the position for you. Yeah, we have to advocate for ourselves, especially black people, because I don't think we have pain. Listen, um, Dr. Jackson, will you come back and, and spend a wellness Wednesday with us? I want you come, I to come back. To yes, uh, you're amazing. And uh, you can follow her. Of course, we tweeted out all the information. D-R-S-A-D-H-A-N-A-J for Jackson. Can I, on, can I, yes. can I say one more thing? Just to, my, okay, just to my beautiful uh, black queens and kings that really want to go into the STEM field and science, please kept, keep pressing on because we need more brown and black faces in STEM. 